Well, the guys, we're here with Jeff. Uh, Jeff, I, I've been super excited to have you on our podcast um, after we talked, I think it was last week or the week before. Um, you're someone that's really passionate about mental health, especially when it comes to sales. And uh, when I heard about that, I immediately had to reach out because working in sales for about 12 years, I mean, you see it as a, prof- it's pretty much a profession that where a lot of people with mental health end up in almost because uh, I think I was describing it to you last time we talked. Sales is where you get a lot of punishment and yeah. people who work in the industry either used to getting punishment or, um, you know, are, are, are there taking on these uh, high risk kind of high reward uh, kind of jobs for a particular reason. And we talked a little bit more about this uh, in our earlier talks, but uh, I want to introduce you to our, our listeners here at our, our podcast. Um, Jeff, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so, so my name is Jeff Risley. I'm the, the founder of the Sales Health Alliance. And the Sales Health Alliance has a mission of empowering sales teams to reach peak levels of performance, uh, sales performance and well-being through better mental health. And it was really born out of um, my own experience while working in sales. Um, my own experience, I, I was fresh grad, started in sales probably just over 10 years ago. It was the classic kind of boiler room type of environment where I was being measured as like my worth as a human being was being measured on whether or not I could make $200 a day, achieve two and a half hours of talk time. If you weren't closing business, you were let go pretty quickly. Um, I managed to thrive. I managed to do pretty good in this environment from like a purely sales standpoint. But this is when I was first introduced to what mental health was and um and just how how devastating it can be. I suffered from really bad anxiety, really bad insomnia, um, had panic attacks in the middle of the night. And I, I realized that um, there wasn't really a space on the sales floor to help salespeople address some of these, um, when they encounter these difficult situations from working in sales. There was nowhere for people to really handle and and, get the training to be able to learn how to navigate these stressful situations in a mentally healthy way. So through my own experience with mental health, through my own learnings, learning about everything from, you know, neuroscience to human behavior to best ways to make yourself more resilient. Um, I started the sales health alliance to help create a space where we can build more awareness around mental health and sales, but also um, help treat, teach and train salespeople how to become resilient and how to navigate some of these stressful situations that, that arise like missing target or getting rejected or buyers ghost ghosting in a mentally healthy way. So yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey, man. Like that's, uh, it's, it's, it's been fun so far, but, uh, there's a, there's a huge need for this right now in the space. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. I didn't... Yeah. I thought that microphone, my, uh, mic was muted there. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's a big new space. Uh, I think we, we covered this a little bit when we originally talked um, about COVID-19 and lockdown, right? Mm-hmm. Especially how this has affected where pre- prior to the lockdown, only 4% of the workforce was working remotely. Mm-hmm. Now it's completely been flipped uh, with the majority of people working remotely and, and having to run this. And you're right in the sense of being the sales floor and being valued constantly based off your performance and your results uh, and not really having a space to, uh, to communicate you know, any frustrations when it comes to how you handle yourself. So, I mean, I, I've, I've worked at both in the management side and on the, the sales floor at call centers um, and, and, and direct sales and door-to-door sales uh, and B2B sales. And they all have this common commonality, right? Like the people who end up like staying there for a long term, like either fall into two buckets. One, they have a glutton for punishment, and they can take on take on these high risk kind of situations where, you know, people, like you have to go through uh, constant rejections, right? Your boss or your sales manager writing you for hitting sales numbers. I mean, being a manager, having been a manager, I've done that. It's part of it's part of the gig, is that you're constantly going after these numbers. You have to go into performance key metrics, and the whole thing is this a pressure cooker just to get the results of people and people come in and burn out and they churn out of the process mm. by not being able to hit KPIs or they stick, stick around and can perform under there. And the people who stay and stick around and perform under there kind of uh, fall in those buckets, right? Have a glutton for punishment or uh, two, 
I can perform under extreme pressure. In fact, mm-hmm. they feel empowered by it. Uh, I mean, there were times that are in my life where like being under a pressure cooker environment, right, has brought out amazing, um, like creative and unique, unique ideas out of me. And mm-hmm. it happens to a, a lot of people. But also at certain, certain times where that pressure cooker, like you start cracking under the pressure and you need to kind of release from it. And I think it's, it's based upon a feedback too, right? So basically what, like some of the thoughts that you've been aligning and alluding to is having places for this feedback to happen between when is a time to apply pressure versus a time to alleviate and relieve people uh, to make the other, right? So talking from a sales system organization point of view, mm-hmm. I think it, it's, it's super interesting because yeah no no i think um i think you're right that there's there's definitely buckets people fall into and i think kind of building on top of your point um what's really interesting is i think that the the two main buckets um that salespeople fall into is um based off of like carol dweck's research around mindset and how people typically lean one way or the other they're either in a fixed mindset or they're in a growth mindset and fixed mindset people are would would be people that would be believing that sales is you're born with a natural ability that makes you really good at sales and there's no you don't learn you don't grow you either have it or you don't and then you have growth mindset sales people who are drawn to sales for the growth Um, Mm -hmm. there's so much opportunity to learn through adversity and they look at the challenge of calling someone new, having a lofty, lofty target, um, all of these kind of goals that are being given to them. Um, it's an opportunity to grow and expand and, and sales is always consistently pushing you to get better. But I think sort of the challenge that we have right now within sales is um, there's a lot of the, the fixed mindset salespeople right now. And the problem with fixed mindset is they are consistently putting their mental health is suffering because they're consistently putting pressure on themselves um, because they feel the need to prove that they have a natural talent. They don't believe if, if they miss target that's taken personally because that's their talent. They're being exposed that maybe they're not actually good at sales. And as a result, they have to consistently work harder and work harder and work harder to perform and perform and perform, perform and, and have these self-esteem boosts that are, pushing them higher and the, the the thing where i think a lot of sales teams get it really wrong is we have like the classic sales leaderboard that's um hyper focused on competing people showing competition between two people and two sales reps and the most important thing that's most more motivating than any target or any kind of you know typical kpi that you can be given is personal growth and it drives me crazy when i see that there's no historical data on how you've grown and how you've developed as like an individual sales rep that shows progress, keeping track of, you know, your lifetime revenue, keeping track of things like, you know, most days in a row where you've hit kind of KPIs, biggest deal closed. Um, You know, what's the most difficult objection that you've handled, keeping track of when you've actually handled that one and grown from that, from that experience. And personal growth is just more motivating than any kind of, individual competition any kind of peer-to-peer competition and that's lost and it's more focused on you either hit this outcome or you don't and when you don't hit it for those people that are stuck in fixed mindset they feel like a failure they take it personally and they're shut off and they're not able to learn so it's really changing that discussion around outcome-based selling to personal growth and i think personal growth will always win out in the long run I mean, one of the things I want to, I want to, I want to get, get your thoughts on, right? Like, what to you, what is sales? What does that mean? That's a good question. Um, sales to me, um, I think, I think it's being able to. I guess at the root cause, and this has been for myself ever since. I started in sales and I think why I've lasted in sales and kind of my personal personal why is it's the opportunity to help a lot of people. And that is something that 
that, that's really motivating to me. It's something that I've wanted to do from a very early age. It's like, you know, it's been at the root, co- root core of wanting to help people. And when you're able to f- find yourself in a company and sell a product that you truly believe in, that you think is truly helping people, it's so motivating and so encouraging because you're having a direct impact and directly influencing people's lives um, and helping them solve complex issues that are, that are affecting them on a day-to-day basis. Now, what's really challenging is, is finding those companies and finding those products because I think salespeople, when they're looking for new jobs and they're you know on the job hunt, they're more focused on salary, nice perks to have flexibility, which, which are, are all really important, but those things don't last. Those won't keep your happiness at a growing at a high, at a high level over time. And for me, it's always been finding that product, finding that company where you really believe in what you're doing. And for myself as a, as a founder of sales health Alliance, um, it has been very much, I had to create it myself. Like I've, now I've, I'm, I've developed a company around mental health and sales. I've combined two deep passions of mine. And it's an area that I fully believe in, in, in helping improve. And I've lived kind of those sleepless nights, those panic attacks, those things where you feel like you're just totally crushed by your emotions that you can't move. And if I can help at least 1% of the salespeople get a little better with that, that for me will be a meaningful life. But, but I don't know, man, what, 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 what are your thoughts? What, what, is, what does sales mean, mean to you? For me, uh, I, I guess personally, for me, sales is communication, the art of communication, but it's the art of communicating value, really. Uh, it's a profession. I, I would argue that it's a, the world's second oldest profession, if you will, right? And uh, in a sense where it's something to be mastered as an art form rather than rather than like a, a corporatized organizational unit in, in a sense where I found like the perfect sales. So the name of the, the name of our company Bluemax comes from this idea, right? The per, a perfect sale is um, when an idea gets, <clears throat> comp- uh, gets folded like origami and gets inserted into someone else's mind from you to somebody else mm. where it unfolds. And based on their thoughts and realities, it, it becomes part of them, right? And then from them, it spreads on to other people. So mm. a sale, a perfect sale is a spread of an idea mm. in that kind of sense. And that's, that's where Bluemax came from. Like Bloom used to be our consulting arm and now Bluemax is like, we're looking at a technology solution to how to expand, uh, how to virally expand this kind of thinking. How do you virally expand this, this spread of ideas, a purposeful idea? Mm. Um, and, so for me, like a, a true sale is where there's a spread of ideas, right? Ex- but partnered with exchange of value. Um, mm-hmm. That value is generally is generally capital, but it, it can also be labor, right? It can also be uh, a variety of other things. Like when you mm-hmm. when you convince someone to come and work for you and spend years of their life, like, like 40 hours a week of their time and commit to you, you're not just giving them a, a paycheck at a certain point. They're also providing, they're also, attributing value people join companies especially high level people because they want to be part of that you know, you know mm-hmm. like ideas kind of mesh together at larger scale so it's not just it, it's so sales but it's interpersonal uh, people people relationship right that are that can they uh, can be coordinated and that's what really interests me mostly right so mm-hmm. for me i live like everything is a, is a, is a sale right as a call i need to call for action so if you're um not just like talking to uh, potential buyers or potential customers, but talking to your people, talking to your, your team, you're uh, communicating, you're always communicating value about what you're doing and what everyone's doing. And it's important because it's a chain, right? So I like looking at sales from like an organizational standpoint, a strategy widespread standpoint. What I love mm-hmm. mostly is like the idea of like when you're running a sales floor or running a sales team, either a call center or like an actual team-based environment, it's something, it's something very like, like very primitive that comes out of us, right? It, it's one of the main reasons why like a lot of salespeople, like it's so cliche calling each other like wolves or the of a pack, right? Mm-hmm. Because this kind of like primitive kind of, kind of primate mentality comes out 
and like a group of people coordinating and working together to achieve something that's going to bring value to everybody. It's, mm. You know, like the idea of hunting in sales, the idea that you're chasing value, you're bringing value to your company, which then feeds you, which allows you to feed your family. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like like I think like I think it's also it's it's also um, similar to like the spread of ideas. It's finding others that share your beliefs and share your share your values, whether it's from like an employee level or or from like the buyers that you're targeting. Um, like like I know like hunting is used a lot. Like we got to go hunt deals. We got to go hunt this. And like really like all you're really trying to do in sales is, is find others that have very similar, similar beliefs to, to you. And I think that's something that I've noticed with sales health Alliance and the, the work that I'm doing right now. Like I'm not worried about right now about, you know, finding, like I lead with my beliefs. My belief is that if you improve mental health and you take care of your well the well-being of your sales team, to help them make, become more resi- resilient, they'll be better at mm-hmm. navigating stressful situations. I'm not leading with, you know, I deliver workshops or have an online course, or I'm not leading with what I'm, what I'm doing or the product that I'm selling and trying to convince people that my workshop or my product is better than someone else's. It's I'm leading with my beliefs. It's I'm leading with, I believe that mental health and sales is extremely important to both well-being and performance. If you don't believe it, that's fine. Like you're, you're not going to care about the the workshop or the virtual program or kind of, or, or the ebook or the consulting stuff that I do. Like you just won't care because you don't believe the same thing that I do. Um, and I think it's really important for, for, for companies and organizations, especially from a founder level is to reinforce that shared belief with everyone that's getting hired to ensure that you're hiring people that share those same beliefs so that they can, transmit those on to different the different people that they're they're working with um i thought i always thought like i i I hate to call them out but um when i was working at indeed um they had a really good belief system their purpose for this organization was we help people get jobs and that was something really powerful that you can get behind um but when they were talking to buyers and we were talking to prospects, we're, we're the number one job site. We're like this. And it's just like, that's not the point. Like you want to find people that actually care about the job seeker. They want to improve that job seeking experience to help place people that are having a very difficult time, help them find your company through indeed. Like that's the belief system that was never communicated in through any of the sales pitches. And that's where I think a lot, a lot of organizations miss the mark with the with the sales and the selling that they do. Interesting. So, can we talk a little bit more about that? Like, uh, what are the sales alliance? Sorry, dog in the back. Yeah, that's okay. What is the sales alliance, and what does that mean to kind of, to bring together people um, to what you're doing, right? Like, like what is your end goal with? with uh, not your end goal, sorry, but what are the what are the, some of the goals you achieve, hope to achieve with this? Because mental health is being thrown around a lot now as like a almost like a buzzword where people talk mm-hmm. about like the very surface level things. But mm-hmm. I want I want to talk more about like the achievable milestones. So what does mental health well being mean? Like what is it? How do we measure that? How do we track things? How do we um, how do we know we're actually having an impact? Yeah. So. Um... Like I think the 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 biggest issue with workplace mental health right now is, um, and the way I like to like to position it, and then I don't know if the, the listeners will will have a have a video along with this, but um, on on like one side you have like sales leaders or leaders within the organization that are supporting and promoting mental health. They're starting to open up and share their experiences with mental health, um, which is amazing. It's great. Then on the other side, you have um, you have like the academic professionals, the psychiatrists, the therapists, the people that are academically trained within like the field of mental health. Now, the problem the academic side has is they lack the shared experience to build rapport with organizations and build rapport with workplaces right out of the gate. 
if you send a salesperson to a therapist or they go to see a therapist and they say, I'm stressed out, I'm anxious. And the therapist goes, why? And they'll be like, well, I made 50 dials today. I lost a big deal. I feel like I'm not going to be able to pay rent. Like that's what, like they they don't have that. Sh they don't ha have those shared experiences to relate to that sales rep to build rapport right at the gate. So the way I like to position my business is I'm in the middle. I've, I have those experiences that I've worked through within sales um, to connect, to build relationships with sales leaders and, and sales reps. Um, but I've also learned enough about the academic side through my own learning and my own experience with mental health to be able to provide some really actual things that people can do to navigate stress, to make themselves more resilient, to how they take care of themselves and prioritize self-care, things that they can do to make themselves feel better right away. But then the reason why I'm phrase, creating an alliance is there's only so much that I know. And based on the organization or the sales team that I'm working with, I need to make sure that there's an alliance of salespeople, sales leaders, tech providers, and mental health experts who I can draw from based on where the team is struggling with, whether if there's buried trauma that comes up, if there's addiction, things that are totally outside my scope and area of expertise, there needs to be an alliance there to be able to draw from and connect people with the right people to get, the help, to get them the help that they need. And that's where mental health in the industry right now is so, it's so siloed and it's so segmented um, that no one's been able to crack it. So, you know, you have a therapist going into an organization potentially, they're not gonna be able to solve all the problems. You might have a mindfulness expert, you might have a nutritionist, all of these different people are working individually but you need to be able to have someone in the middle that can connect the dots and bring together a holistic model around mental health. And the goal with the, the long-term goal of what sales health clients is trying to do is one, change the perspective that sales people should, and sales leaders should not be treated like a number on, on a dashboard or a part of a machine. They need to be treated like a like an athlete, the corporate athletes that they are. It's a performance driven sport. And two, working with organizations to help them see what happens when they prioritize the input of their organization, when they start worrying about caring about the anxiety of the rep, the confidence, do they sleep well, are they eating right? When you measure and take care of those input metrics, you'll see a boost in performance across all of the output metrics you typically care about, whether it's dials made, meetings booked, length of sales cycle, revenue closed. So our goal is to help focusing, focus on those input metrics to drive performance across all of the output metrics that sales teams typically care about. Man, <clears throat> sorry, I had to cut off my mic because I'm keeping it quiet. So I can respond to that, but um, in parts, but you know, so I wanna break that down a little bit. Like I guess in workplaces right now, people are transforming the way they communicate by looking into more, more uh, mental health issues and being cognizant of what people are going through. But is this some, is this like a framework that there, it can be de deployed and not in a corporate level, but a startup level? Like how do we deploy this to people, right? So they have a framework on how, how to, um, uh, one, even for themselves, attribute to themselves. Is there some kind of technology solutions you can implement to better track this and to better have viewability, right? Um, yeah. Have you deployed anything like that? Yeah, so there's, so there's technologies out here that are like measuring specific like mental health of um, at an individual level um, that will measure mental health on a day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week basis. So you can keep track of how you're doing at an individual level, but also at a, um, also at like an organization level. Um, so that data, is possible if an organization wants to start implementing it for sure. Um, but my whole, whole like reason behind, I guess the areas that I'm trying to focus on specifically is within sales, there's things that you can do from like a behavior, a mindset perspective, redesigning the environment. There's things that you can fundamentally change within a sales organization and as a sales rep that will not only help you take care of your mental health more effectively, but two, when you encounter some of these major triggers that salespeople encounter, like for one, I did a survey and found that micromanagement 
Um, 50% of sales reps list, listed that as one of the top three things that impact their mental health the most, which is crazy to me. So how do you handle those, these main triggers in a mentally healthy way? And by fixing some of these triggers that occur very frequently within a sales environment, you can start to improve some of those, some of those specific, so you can start to improve mental health overall, but you can start to help salespeople um, become resilient to these stressful situations that they face. Cool. So like, what can these tools look like? Like, we, I, I thought about this uh, when we were, we were talking to a company that makes wearables, right? Like, wearable tech has like a, a lot of sensors built into it and all that can track a lot of physical actions, right? Whether you're running, whether you're um, maybe doing exercise, your blood, your, you know, your body temperature to um, even your blood glucose level sometimes, right? There's a, 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 how much you sweat, like all these different sensors are already built into these things. But is, can there be a way to like read signals from your body to tell you how you're feeling even if you're not cognizant of it? So I feel like that, that's a huge part of burnout as well. When people get so caught in the loop of what they're doing, but they're not paying attention to their body and the fact that they're going through this like a physical turmoil. Yeah. So, so I don't think I don't think there is a technology that will that's like effective in this in this situation. Like I, I compare mental health as and mental fitness essentially to the same as physical fitness. Um, at the end of the day, like. Is similar to you got to put the work in at the gym, you got to put the practice and the effort in to stay healthy, get better, build strength, you know, make yourself more flexible, you have to build and you have to practice that same, that same, essentially fitness re regime from a mental health standpoint. That's why things are like, like self care is so important. Um, but you really need to work on this on a day to day basis so that you can start to build rapport with your ego and build rapport with how various emotions and buried trauma and buried past experience experiences, how are these coming up on a day-to-day basis within an individual level um, so that you can release these emotions, get curious with them, help get a, build a better understanding of, of, you know, what you're feeling when these emotions specifically happen. Because if you're wearing a tech, a, a piece of wearable technology that says, Oh, you have an elevated heart rate or, you have dry mouth and you know, you're suffering from anxiety, people might, well, if they're not taught how to explore these emotions and explore the feelings that they have, they'll just say, well, I'm anxious. Like, like, what do I do about it? So it's giving them essentially the daily mental workout routines and the things that they can do to identify these symptoms so that they can respond and take care of themselves and bring them more into a less emotional state. Um, yeah, like, 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 I don't know. I just don't think, at least that's my opinion. Like, I just don't think this, this is a, this is a challenge that can be solved through, through a quick fix, like a technology. And <clears throat> I think at the other side of things, organizations need to create a space where it's okay to be vulnerable, where it's okay to start discussing things like anxiety and sort of the underlying emotions that, that, that arise that, Hey, I'm, I'm scared of failing. Like salespeople do really does do really scary shit every single day. They step outside their comfort zone. They call strangers. They put themselves out there, and they could get crushed. They could hit a home run, and that's scary, man. Like, and no one's talking about how scary some of these emotion these these events and these triggers can be. So, um, that's the other side is is creating an environment with enough trust where people can openly share how they're feeling and how they're actually and honestly responding to these situations internally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I agree with the sentiment, right? But I feel like a large part of, uh, of the issue that people are, are dealing with is they're not cognizant to how they function and feel. And what that means is that most people are so busy with their, with their lives, you know, getting to work on time, you know, hit, hit making, make sure your appointments are there, make sure kids get to whatever class they need to get to, um, you know, other, other stresses they have from like their, their, their parents, their, their spouses, et cetera, right? So while they're dealing with life, they're not paying attention to the signs that their body gives, but you know, the, the 
elevated heart rates, the, the dry mouth, the, the signs that they're actually going to things. I think a lot of people bury things or don't, are not cognizant of their own, um, the body's reactions to what they're going through until like they get over a tipping point and then they start paying attention. A lot of a lot of our a lot of our stuff is still reactionary. Where after something has happened, after a trigger point, or after you're pushed back with heavy boundaries, after you break, then you get treatment or get put into counseling or seek counseling or start talking about things or learning these things. But I feel like the real wave is to get proactive, where companies, governments, schools take the idea to be like. Pro, the, the idea to get proactively, not just teach people to keep track of themselves, but figure out measures to keep track of how they're doing uh, with understanding that the healthier people are, the, the people are the biggest resource, right? Within any company, within, within any kind of, kind of country, right? The, the people are the biggest resource, right? By taking care of the people, by, pay, by giving them the ability and, um, and having the mechanism in place to take care of them, everyone's better for it. Right, so I feel like the best main thing to do is go baseline before we even implement strategies. And uh, here, here, here's here's some framework to take care of yourself. The main thing is how do we get widespread implementation of people's mental health, like well-being, right out there. Like I feel like a technology solution that gives base level results to people would make people more cognizant to the fact that they're going through issues, that things like that, like you know they have bad days, good days, all these things. Yes. But it's part of the general pattern. Uh, yeah. So, so, so those, those technologies definitely do exist. Like there's like daily check-in tools that you can use to, you know, based on a series of questions that you, you answer how, like, where does your, where does your mental health fall? Um, like, are you struggling? What, what, and, and specifically, where are you struggling within, within this analysis? Like, are you struggling with anxiety, today, anger, like sadness? And it will recommend um, various like resources to help you read through and help you kind of assess and like work through these, these individual problems that you're facing. But again, my, my whole belief is like, is it, it has to be, I, I, I see your point from giving people like a baseline measurement to be like, you need to prioritize self-care today. But at the same time, I also, I also feel like you need to like part of the conversations that I lead in, in my workshops and through my online training is helping people learn how to recognize these signs in this, in, the, in themselves without the use of technology. Um, like that's, one session that I go over in, in, in detail, like what are you thinking, feeling, and doing when you respond to various, the various trigger events that you face, whether it's on the sales floor or whether it's, or, or not, like how do you respond to these different trigger events that you face on a day-to-day -day basis? But I think it all comes down to having the discipline to build in these, these, I guess, build in these, the ability to, identify when when this is happening in your body so that you can address it without the use of without the use of technology and that that might just be my my biased biased approach to it um but 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 yeah like i think there's there's like a dependency level that you you build when you're kind of like dependent on a technology to tell you how you're feeling like you have that innate ability to be able to build that relationship with your body and with your mind to, to identify that without the use of technology, at least is, is, is my perspective. Perfect. Cool. So let's, let's talk about some other things that you're doing. Um, what are the type of uh, people that come to your workshops? Can you talk a bit more about like the, what's your target market? What's your target audience look like? Yeah. So it's, again, it's primarily focused on, focused on sales. So it's salespeople and sales leaders, um, right now that, that, that I target, um, and working with sales teams as a whole. Um, 
Yeah. So it's both. Like it's, it's anyone working in sales essentially would be, would find value in, in kind of the work that I do. And the, the next step is to build out more of like a sales leadership specific workshop and sales leaders, leadership specific type of content, but that's in there. It's kind of built in already. Um, especially when you're a sales leader, it will give you the things to help. It'll give you the tools to help you take care of your own mental health, but also help you identify the signs of when some of your reps are struggling and how do you approach some of those conversations with your rep to um, start building trust and more awareness around mental health within your own sales team. So it really plays into both. So I don't really have like a target market outside anyone, anyone that has or is working in sales would benefit from this. Um, The concepts obviously apply to other departments as well. But I think when you're like in any sales pitch that you're having or anything that you believe in, like it's really important to have shared experiences built into any of the topics that you're, you're talking about or any of the topics that you're teaching. So that's my background is shared experiences within sales. Like those are the stories that I can tell and those are the things that I can relate to. So yeah, that's, that's kind of how I've structured it, starting with sales. And as the alliance builds, hopefully, and we start to generate some positive ROI through mental health from a sales standpoint, we can start to expand to other departments within an organization that need support from a mental health standpoint. Cool, fascinating. That's, that's interesting. Can you talk a little more about your background, like uh, the type of stuff you work on? Um, when you talk about sales, like what kind of sales have you done? Yeah, so so my first my first sales role was primarily um, selling oil and gas selling oil and gas executives training workshops and conference events. Um, it was yeah, it was like a like a burn and churn type of environment. So I, I two companies I was doing kind of in the event event space and the workshop space. Um, then I was. Uh, I was also working at Indeed, so selling like a SaaS product. Um, and then from Indeed, I went to a social media analytics company, like a, a startup. And throughout my career, I've led, managed various teams. I've been an individual contributor, um, selling you know, enterprise deals all the way to kind of more transactional deals. So it's a, it's a weird mix of sales experience that hits on a lot of different areas, which is, which is nice. Um, but it, it, it's been a lot. It's allowed me to kind of pull from all sorts of different different areas. What what about you? What's 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 your background in? Yeah, I mean, so I started sales. I mean, as like a as an entrepreneur, uh, literally. Like my first comp- my first real job was like Domino's Pizza, and a year later, I started my first company at seventeen, where I was like pretty much we we're selling um, security cameras to uh, plazas and businesses. So 2008 financial crisis hit. Uh, There's no jobs available. No one was hiring. Mm-hmm. First, year, first year university just finished. So I literally saw people who graduated university coming back to school and just hanging out because they got, they got fired from their jobs mm-hmm. one, two years into their, into their careers. So we got all, me and three friends got into this, not a panic mode, but like realization that jobs are not stable. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, we're chasing the stability, this idea of, of getting constant income, but that's not stable. And a friend, uh, a, a friend of a friend like, asked us, it's like, um, hey, um, can you come install security cameras? I'll pay you guys 50 bucks each. I need four people. Us four went in, took us about 40 minutes to install one camera each in this location. Guy paid us fifty bucks. We found out he he charged the the plaza unit fifteen hundred dollars for the system. The system cost him seven hundred dollars. He paid four university grad university kids fifty bucks each, two hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and he walked away with a good sizable profit for just facilitating that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, right? I'm like, I'm like, what am I? Why am I the chump here doing the camera work? Why can't I do this? Why can't we do this? Mm-hmm. And it just timing, right? there was like a flood of the market in 2008 of all the people who got let go of their jobs and the economy kind of downsized. But the cool thing was they're running, we're coming out of like a bull, like a, uh, uh, a, a upturn in the, in the recession, right? People did really well before this. People had savings, people had lines of credits, people had equity in their houses. What, what all these people did was go and start companies and start businesses. Mm-hmm. So 2008, when the financial crisis hit, especially in Toronto, 
it was got yes a bunch of people got let go of jobs but the economy actually spiked for a bit because of people going out and starting all these companies in two years a lot of companies went out of business because they weren't making any money hmm. a lot of people went and started started businesses so we at that time at 17 uh, we positioned ourselves to like to help setting up bread and butter businesses so mm-hmm. security cameras point of sale systems graphic design signage on the stores we're like if we can't do it we'll find someone else to do it we'll just get the contract we just chased this so everything was a sale we're going to people and like hey you know you we noticed you're setting up new in this new in this plaza what do you need you know security cameras we'll install it we'll get that done point of sale systems we'll get that done but if you need signage done outside your store we'll get someone to do it for you if you need like a, a wall constructed inside your plaza we'll, we'll get someone to do that for you so we, we called ourselves infinite solutions so we do infinite amount of, amount of solutions just give us give us contracts we'll figure it out yeah and, and, we'll nice. margin and, yeah, and that was that was great so it was just a pure sales thing and we subcontracted out what we couldn't do to somebody else and that was like really my first foray into into the sales environment and being independent was uh the weirdest part because we had no infrastructure, we had no idea how to scale this, we had no idea how to like measure things. Mm-hmm. For instance, I was a CFO of a company. <laughs> um, the only background I had was like a grade eleven accounting uh, yeah. course that I took, and you know this is before smartphones, so yeah. logging things on anything. I was like writing stuff down on scraps of paper and losing them, like it was a mess. But the cool thing was like going through that, I fully so gra- like love technology and the ability that we have now of, of being able to log and automate things you know because like at that time we're doing all these activity but we weren't logging it we weren't tracking it we weren't replicating it we weren't seeing what worked what didn't work like we had no frameworks to work on so having that experience early on really gave me this idea that that the idea of tracking and, and knowing you're getting things better is part of the process if you're kind of struggling and doing random things, if you don't feel like you're doing doing things, even though you you are like performing, mm-hmm. it weighs you down. And that's one of the main reasons why that company kind of fell apart was that we had no idea to track and scale properly. Like mm-hmm. What was working, what was not working. We were bleeding money, but not even knowing. And we were just kids. Just we found a great business that kind of worked out, and we did pretty well. It was just that we couldn't scale it or control it. I compared mm. it with a rocket ship that kind of blew up on us. Hmm. And since nice. then, I've been like hungry and also like, like in my mind, kind of messed up. Like, I can't replicate this feeling, right? Of doing really well, but not being able to like hold on to what I'm doing and, and being replicated, tracking what's working and not working. And, and deploying technology definitely works. So, well, my main interest with like sales and mental health is like, I feel like a lot of that is about giving people the tools to understand how they're progressing in life. That some days we have a good day, bad day. Something's going to shift, but that showing, showing, showing progress that you're achieving goals, that you're moving forward in life. I think that's superiorly important for most human beings. The idea of taking risks, of taking challenges, is important, and providing a venue to do that is important. But what is the point of all that if you do not know where it all leads? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like I'm with you. Like, I think from like a from like a tech technology standpoint, like I think. Going back to what you said earlier, like I think that's that's really important within the mental health space is like giving a way to visually show people their their progress over time and how what they're doing is how their behaviors and the habits that they're building, how overall it is making them less anxious and and happier individuals. So so I'm totally with you, but but I think you're I think you're right. Like the the biggest thing for me that 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 I realized um, so I was diagnosed with testicular cancer, like summer of July of 2018. And I always kind of had in my mind had this like dream of, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to start my own company. And I'd always talk myself out of it. I'd always be like, ah, I'm not ready yet. I'm like, I'm not gonna, like, it's not now. Like I can do it in five years. Like things will be, things will be better then. And like, when I was diagnosed and I kind of went through the treatment and, and got myself out of it, I was just like, man, like I was super healthy. I was 30 years old and as life threw me this curveball, and, and I was taking my, 
my kind of my ambitions and my dreams are granted that that I'll always be able to achieve them and always be able to execute on them whenever I want. And the more I looked at it, I was like, shit, like this is a mental health issue that founders and salespeople and, and everyone faces where anytime you step outside your comfort zone and you're doing something uncomfortable, something that you're scared, you're afraid of, something that might you might end up getting embarrassed or hurt by, um, your anxiety is there to try to protect you. It's tried to give you those anxious thoughts, those those worries to say, well, what if this really bad thing thing happens? You probably shouldn't do it to keep you contained in that comfort zone. And I liked what you said there that you're all about kind of seeking discomfort and, and stepping outside your comfort zone and that's how you grow. And, and you're totally right to be able to grow and to be able to expand that comfort zone. You need to be able to manage stress and manage anxiety or else you'll be imprisoned in your own thoughts and never grow. Like this one idea kind of uh, like changed me. I think I heard on the, on the Joe Rogan podcast. It's like, why is it that when you're working at a modern like workplace or you're working at a computer in a desk in an air conditioned office room or you're in like a suit and tie even and your boss comes in and slams a bunch of paperwork in front of you and yells at you <laughs> and you know, says like, well, we need this done or whatever. You, your body reacts almost like a tiger uh, like almost like a, a caveman where like, oh, the tiger's trying to attack them, right? It's pumped up full of adrenaline. Your your blood's rushing. You know, you're 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 pretty much reacting in a sense, in a very in a, in a very primal sense of uh, flight. Of, uh, your uh, flight or fear uh, reflex to kick in, right? And if you think about it, like it makes sense because if you lose your work, you lose your livelihood, and like it's important to you. But that stress. The output of stress it doesn't correlate to the situation, right? It's it's it, it's the same level of stress that would happen in like a in an actual uh, like a, like a deadly scenario, but happening in like a situation where you're actually safe and comfortable, right? So why does that happen? It's because your body does not have anything else to react to, right? We have become so safe and civilized in society that these small trigger points make our body react at a at a compounding level. And that show that one of the main reasons it's a proponent uh, that working out, like doing heavy exercise, is so important for you, is that it trains the body for a different baseline of stress. When you're when you're working out at a heavy level and you're you're stressing your body out and you're you're like you're putting your body through hell and it's sweating and you're you're heaving, it's like you're telling your subconscious that this is what stress looks like. This is what's deadly to you. So you're resetting the, uh, the, 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 the um, I, I, resetting the, um, uh, I guess, uh, which one, the, the barrier. But the main thing is like people who exercise frequently versus people who don't, they have a different set barrier for stress. Right? It's, it's mm -hmm. proven. Like they have, a, they, are, they have more consistent heart rates. They have, you know, they spike less on their hormone levels and, and all that. And it's because they take up on the challenge of of, of, try, of, of like of like showing their body what stressful environment is by creating this artificial construct of, of like of that right. So I feel like what really is happening is that we're disaligned on how of, of who we are and how our body functions. Like we don't really realize that our body, our parts of our body act as semi-independent beings to our mind, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost different. Right. And one of the things I, I love is like, is the fact that I, I took the time to get classically trained on uh, biology and, and with my, my degree in neuroscience which is understanding that parts of the body is actually semi-autonomous. They actually operate differently. Like almost one in three cells that makes your body is not, does not share your genetic code. They're actually different life forms for you. Hmm. Now there's bacteria and other, and other things that co like live with, live within, live, live within us in like a, cohabitive lifestyle and parts of our reactions that we go through our stress our anxieties doesn't necessarily even come from us but the body's reacting to different stimuli or lack of stimuli mm -hmm. right and so I, I got super into the into the weeds with this uh, like a few different podcasts I'd love to get your thoughts on this as well 
right? Like the deeper understanding of our body we, we have, the more re realization hits us that how little control we are of what makes us us. And one of the, one of the key points of this, it's like, is, is our diets, right? Like when we crave certain foods, we think, oh no, I'm craving this because of a certain reason I'm craving for this, but it's actually not even us consciously craving it. It's a bacteria that live in our stomach. There's what one third of, this, uh, of the amount of, brain, uh, of neurons that make up your brain that make, creates you, one, but th one third of the mass is actually in your stomach, yeah. communicating yeah. to what's in your stomach, yeah. AKA the symbiotic organisms that live within your stomach. And they cultivate and create a biome uh, based off of what you eat. And rather than just passively, you eat whatever you, whatever you want and they just break it down and build it for you. They also have a symbiotic relationship where they tell you, they tell your body trigger points to crave certain things, crave sugars, crave certain amino acids, crave certain different things. And it, it's, it can get to a point where the, the communication between your gut biome and, and you it's a point there. They just crave a certain amino acid. By the time it, it, it communicates to your to your brainstem to you, you're craving a particular type of food. So, like, what makes us us and the drives and the motivations behind us is not even directly us. So, I'm, I'm, I've been really preoccupied with this idea of notion and thought behind the idea that of, the, of a fractional kind of space that we we actually coincide. That what makes us a function as human is different. Like even our heart has its own like, uh, electrical signal that has its own like mini uh, cluster of, of neurons that, that, that it has a feedback mechanism. Mm -hmm. The way the heart function actually feeds it back to how we operate subconsciously, right? And it acts almost semi-autonomous to us, the conscious us. So, one of the things I'm, I'm really looking forward to is, is like when wearables become more of a thing to be able to measure out the different parts of us that constitutes the, 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 the yeah, I guess the alliance that is our, our individual self to figure out what are the mechanisms driving us forward. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, one of the, one of the scariest things even is, is the discovery of a new type of like bacteria, we call peons, that live within the brain of uh, humans. And the different types that you have in your brain can drive you to different, to different uh, motivations that doesn't necessarily come again from your conscious being, right? So there's even other bacteria that have, have direct correlation to you. Um, there's, there's one in particular, um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, it's called, um, Plaster Paloma? Anyway, it's a type of bacteria that, that their life cycle exists around cats. Hmm. Uh, have you heard of this? Have you heard of this? No, this at all? no I, just, I just do have a meeting coming up. So I'm just, uh, I'm just trying to push it back by, by a minute or two. Um, okay, cool. We're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. I got kind of in the weeds with, with, with that little thought, but um, maybe we can cut this and we can continue on another episode. Right, do I get to that meeting? Yeah, like, 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 like I gotta go. Um, yeah. Like, like, maybe, like, is there, like, how, how do you, how do you want to wrap these, like, podcasts usually? We wrap them as, 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 uh, as we can. So, uh, if this is where we gotta go, is where you gotta go. We'll wrap it up here, Jeff. Uh, thank you for your time. I didn't realize we got how, how deep into the time we got into. Yeah, yeah. Um, no. Hopefully, we can have another touch point soon. And yeah. Again. Yeah, sounds good, man. Appreciate it, Ravi. Um, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. See ya.